Welcome. You've got mail. Buck wrote that movie, owns no less than like two Ayn Rand novels, and has read them multiple times. And those are the only books they've ever read. The internalized misogyny of the women, and the, like they just say it out loud, plainly. I'm just a lady. I can't do anything. I will contend there is one decently likable, somewhat likable character, but I'll, we can the elevator we can decide guy. if everyone the hates The elevator him. guy. That's it. The elevator guy. Okay. <laughs> That's, I, I, have, I have one of the main characters, but he also has problems. Just Nora oh, Frog's the, movies. I don't like, know. Is his name Chip or something like that? The like guy that works at the bookstore? Oh, yeah. He's fine, but he, mm-hmm. I wouldn't call him one. Nora Ephron's got an interesting career. She did Sleeps in Seattle, obviously. She did the movie Mixed Nuts in the 90s. Oh, goodness. You've got Mail. She did Bewitched and Julia and Julia. Julie and Julia was like her last movie. It's also got uh, Parker Posey in it. And like it's the worst role she's ever had. Because like, I had the hugest crush on her in the 90s. Like her and, and Claire Danes. There was going to be like, imagine if they like had, if you had to be somebody in the movie, she'd be who I would be. Like I'd pick her i like parker posey because she's in a, she's in a bunch of like christopher guest stuff we we're just i was just seeing on twitter someone was saying that she got braces for the movie uh for one of his movies and she actually got braces oh, for God. the role that's convenient. jesus christ <laughs> no thanks i have I like nightmare her, um, about my braces you have braces yeah i had them for like three years and i have nightmares still that like they've been on this whole time and like i haven't had them tightened or like <laughs> falling off in my mouth <laughs> that's like an interesting variation on the normal like teeth stress dream that a lot of people have yeah yeah i have mm-hmm. braces stress dreams <laughs> yeah. i have the i have the car one the one where you're like trying to drive a car from like the passenger seat and you can't which is even worse yeah and you're like you can't yeah or it's like it's in reverse and you just can't press the brake to like or get it in the drive. Yeah. I keep having the one where the gym coach is yelling at you for pissing your pants. And then <laughs> you wake up and you're actually you're actually pissing in a Walmart dressing room. <laughs> well, speaking of pissing, this is one of like the only movies where Tom Hanks is not pissing somewhere. I mean, yeah, I know. he pisses in like nine movies. But somebody does talk about it and I didn't realize it until I watched it again like a few hours ago because Dave Chappelle tells him, whose name of character I cannot remember, but he tells him that they got fined like thousands of dollars because the construction workers were pissing off the roof. Sit back in your seats, get something to eat, and watch this movie. Don't let the kids see it because, well... All right, welcome to Left of the Projector. This week on the show, we are dipping back into the Tom Hanks catalog and possibly, I think, the first rom-com on this show, the 1998 film You've Got Mail, directed by Nora Ephron and stars the uh, aforementioned Tom Hanks, Meg Ryan, Dave Chappelle, Parker Posey, Greg Kinnear, Gene Stapleton, and Steve Zahn. This was a huge hit, $250 million um, on a $65 million budget, which I mentioned before, $60 million for this movie went all to the actors. There was like no actual stuff in this. Um, But anyway, I digress. Uh, Back on the show, I have a trio of guests you may remember from episode 36 on Starship Troopers. Although, wait. All of us here on that episode? No. I was supposed to. No, I, I didn't. I oh, okay. So a part of the part of that episode. But I have back a smirk gently, Lefty Libby and uh, Dr. Goon Ohay with more than one Y. Thank you for coming back on the show. 
Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me. <laughs> that was the nice little news delay right there. Always, always <laughs> a thrill. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, glad uh, to talk about you've got mail, and I, I wrote a review on Letterbox, and my only tagline was "You've got emotionally blackmailed" because that's kind of how I feel <laughs> when I watch this, and. I know. And the other thing I'll say before I'll ask everyone to tell me what they thought of this movie or if they remember anything about this movie is people who are like under the age of 30, there once was a thing called AOL and you had to like dial into the internet. And when you did that, you couldn't talk on your phone. And you like would. You could like uh, cyber with people on the internet. That's like when it was actually okay to do that kind of thing. And I mean, like, maybe not. And you were afraid that everybody you talked to was somebody you knew. It was like that was like a big fear. Like, oh, what if I go into school and like this rando I've been chatting with and telling my whole life story is somebody like at like who knows me? And this movie plays on that fear. Well, it does. I mean, that's like the basic setup for this movie. It's like. Not the same movie as Sleeps in Seattle, the same director, Nora Ephron, same top two cast, Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan, but it's the 90s and now they're talking to each other anonymously on the internet when like, who knows what the other person could actually be. It could be like, I guess there's some jokes here I won't say, it could but be it like could Carl be creepy. from like um, that, that cartoon on Adult Swim with the fucking meatball. Oh, like, oh. yeah. Aqua Teen Hunger Force. Yeah, 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 Carl. Yeah, with meat, with meat wad. Uh, from he's that like, time, he's like thinking, "Take your pants off," and like, <laughs> yeah. But I don't know what you can all just. You can give me your brief impressions of this movie, and if you'll be willing to ever come back after I made you watch it. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I watched. I mean, I I remember watching this like not long after it came out because it was right around the time when my parents divorced. So me and my mom watched a lot of movies. So this was definitely one that we got from Blockbuster. Might have even seen it in theaters. I don't know. It was like I think I saw it in the theater. I if saw I'm being the honest. Yeah, it was an event. Yeah, because it was it was coming right off the high of uh, well, it was like Meg Ryan time. Like that was her time. You know, like Sleepless in Seattle. Um, when Harry met Sally, they also did Joe versus the volcano together. They did the other one. And I like that one. Um, but yeah it's interesting like i wish i don't know so apparently it's it's like based on a hungarian play which has been made into several iterations um like a musical and a couple different movies and i just found out today when i was researching it that there was a nepali movie made in 2008 called um small world that is basically just a remake of this as well so. It's just like how the Forrest Gump movie has a remake in India. Yeah, I was thinking that too. I was like, I remember talking to you about that. Um, they love Tom Hanks movies. They do. I mean, yeah. <laughs> he's the guy. Um, but yeah, like it's a, it's kind of a fun watch. I don't know, but like I've seen it so many times that like I, if I never watched it again, I wouldn't be upset. I watched it like you said, like in the theaters with my mom, and I think like one of my mom's friends or something like that. We all went to see it, and um, I remember just being like. I, I think a lot of it went over my head. And then um, watching it again now, it was like you could, if you took away all of the lessons that you learn in life about like relationships and like emotional espionage and like um, 
lack of consent and control and like basically the abuse cycle, you know, Um, if you take away all of those lessons, then it is a cute little rom-com. But (laughs) when you think about what's actually happening, it's really fucked up. It's a fucked up up love story. So the I like for me it's like a peak capitalist circle jerk of a movie. Like the whole thing centers around like, hey, this is a corporate takeover, uh, and it's good that like we're giving corporate spaces because more people are appealing or it's more appealing to people like that. So who gives a fuck that like this place where this like woman had all of her childhood memories are going away because she needs to move on anyway. That's like one of the central themes of the movie. So it's like just complete dehumanization in that sense. It was fucking stupid. I hate this movie so fucking much. (laughs) So when you said the capitalistic jerk, did you notice at the very beginning, she gets her coffee from Starbucks. She doesn't go to a mom and pops. She goes to Starbucks and then the same thing happens to her. Yeah. I was think I was thinking that as I saw that too. How much of that was uh, they needed them that the, the Starbucks money for? Money. Yeah, <laughs> the actual fucking movie. Certainly, you could. There's a lot of product placement. Your entire movie. human existence is Starbucks. That's what centers around like you and your selections that you make at Starbucks. It gives you so much choice that you actually get to be <laughs> a human being in Starbucks. Like, go <laughs> fuck yourself. <laughs> yeah, that entire that scene for the one you're referring to, she's like talking about how great it is, how you can go to Starbucks and see your order. And so people who don't know what they're doing or who on earth they are can, for only two ninety five, get not just a cup of coffee, but an absolutely defining sense of self. Caramel macchiato, tall, decaf, cappuccino. Call the decaf cappuccino. Customizations, like, well, I can go to my local coffee shop, or I can just press a button on my shitty little coffee maker at home, and it makes the coffee yeah. just fine. I can go to my local academy and buy a gun of any caliber, and then buy like twenty different ammunitions for it, and stick any of them in my fucking mouth after watching that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, but no, but as like. But as like uh, for anyone who may not have seen this, and we'll talk a little bit about the plot as it goes through, it's some like convoluted nonsense and parts of the so movie stupid. that have to be mentioned. But basically, it's Tom Hanks is dating Parker Posey, and he is a millionaire who owns a huge bookstore, basically like Barnes and Noble. And I also found it interesting. This is like the peak when Amazon like took off. Yeah, in ninety eight. Yeah, I don't think they what... were referring to Amazon but when they did this. I think they were referring to Barnes and Noble. Exactly, exactly. But that was when, like, Amazon was transitioning from being just, like, books online to the, quote, everything store that Bezos wanted it to be. Yeah. Exactly. And so and so you have him. Parker Posey, again, plays his uh, – I think Parker Posey's job is like a pub, works for a publishing company. It makes sense. Like that's how they probably got connected. And then we have – I'll tell you, the only likable character, mildly, is Meg Ryan's boyfriend who is played by Greg Kinnear, who like immediately off the bat is like a Luddite, doesn't like technology, like goes off about how he likes typewriters. The internet is bad. It's like this guy is – everyone had a friend like that or still has a friend like that. I have a friend like that. He was, I didn't like how she was like talking about her feelings and things, and she was like, like running through, so like coming to terms with her emotions about it. 
and about what was happening with like the store needed, like, did it need to close or whatever? And she's in the middle of it. And he like talks over her and he says, you are a lone reed in the sand and blow and just tells her how, how to feel. And if, if you pay close attention, she never, she, every time she's goes to express the way that she feels, somebody talks over her to tell her how to feel about what's happening. It's as if she doesn't have autonomy as a person. Throughout the entire fucking movie. It's the whole infuriating. movie. She, she's constantly being gaslit and like, like I said, emotionally blackmailed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, Greg Kinnear, like, I guess you could say, I guess in that respect, he's not a great person, but like he's mildly seems to at least like have a, a give a shit about the world. He's not like a capitalist piece of shit that Tom Hanks yeah. is. Like and he, he tried. kind of cares. He was trying to help, so, you know. Do what he could do. Greg Kinnear's character in that movie—that's one of the things that like pinpointed for me that like the whoever fucking wrote this is a, a full-on uh, uh, Ayn Rand cuckold. He represents liberals, like uh, the the democratic yep. liberal understanding. He represents social democrats. Uh, he's a foremost expert on the Rosenberg, so he represents communists. He mentions uh, how. Uh, Whenever he finds out that what's her name's mom is dated Franco, uh, he's like he couldn't be something normal like an anarchist or a socialist. So like he he checks all of those fucking boxes that like these people think that just like oh just liberal you know like that's what pissed me off about his voice because like he's simultaneously like you know like uh, free the fucking planet, but at the same time it's like you have to vote. But, you know, and it's like, no, mm-hmm. that's not fucking anybody. You just like smashed a bunch of people together to make like one annoying ass character. Mm-hmm. Well, they literally have that in the in the movie theater when they're t- when she like admits that he didn't she didn't vote for Giuliani in the election. Yeah. And he's like, oh, you didn't vote for you didn't vote against Giuliani. And yeah, he's like, I vote blue no matter who. But yeah. You know, that movie, that theater um, scene, that's the only time that she like asserted herself in any way. That yeah, just gets just up like, and walks no, out. No, this is this isn't right, and I'm walking out, and I'm go like she. That was the only time that I saw that she actually had a spine or like noted valued herself worth enough to walk away. And they they ruined that too because he's the one that initiates the I don't really love you, and then she's like, oh well, I don't love you. It has to be he has to create the safe space for her to be able to fucking say that, which was also infuriating. And then this is the other couple characters that are in this. Dave Chappelle, I think we mentioned, I don't know if it was in the part before we started uh, recording, but yeah, Dave Chappelle plays like a, he's like in charge of the contracting and building of this new gigantic bookstore. So as we, as I actually forgot is that, so Meg Ryan owns like a small bookstore, the bookstore, like a store around the corner. And Tom Hanks owns basically Barnes and Noble, Fox Books, and he's going to put her out of business. Like it's very clear from the jump of this movie. Anyone watching it, she has a little bookstore. He has a big bookstore. We all know what's going to happen. And Dave Chappelle's in there for like little funny jokes, like at the point when like he was kind of funny, like he had been in like Half Baked a few years before, but he's not funny in this movie at all. Like they tried really hard to make him funny, but he was kind of a shithead. Yeah. Well, you said you were going to. You were going to talk about how that. Oh, so this this is the old. This is this is just a fun fact. Is that apparently uh, Dave Chappelle was offered the role of Bubba in Forrest Gump, but turned it down. 
Yeah. So then hmm. he was like, he was like, well, that was a mistake. I'll be in a Tom Hanks movie. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Tom Hanks, but Tom Hanks promised him, he's like, all right, the next time there's something for you, you be in a movie with me because you missed out last time and I want to do something with you. Do you know what? Imagine a world where Dave Chappelle was Bubba. What if he had been typecast and never got out of that role? Like, what if, like, he could, like, he wouldn't be as famous? He didn't get out of it. I would make for a really weird Chappelle show. Like, I don't know if that would have happened. So much. <laughs> but he never had <laughs> Chappelle show. Like, and he didn't have the platform anymore because he was Bubba. And, like, everybody only ever saw him as Bubba. Yeah. Yeah, that would have been... That would have been what bizarre. Cool I, I would have that universe. I wouldn't necessarily want to live there. Speaking yeah. of alternative realities, this movie was made in 98, right? Yeah. Okay. So the version that I saw, it starts with a, a 3D rendering of New York. No. Yes! And you know what yes! was missing from that 3D rendering, right? No. They, they went they back. Took out. They took it out yeah. later on. Yeah, it was there before. Oh, is that they right? Took they took it out of like, it? Subsequent releases after the event. Oh, they should have—they should have like had some planes going to it in the graphic. (laughs) That shitty 3D fucking like '90s bullshit. That's where the put in the freedom. freedom Like a bowling alley uh, electronic computer screen. I will say, as much as I hated this movie, I was pissed at how good some of the cinematography was. Like the opening shot where it goes through the window and then it like tracks like through the room and then like she's like sleeping in the bed or whatever. Like it took me a second to realize like, oh, they probably handed the camera off to somebody to do that. And it was very smoothly done. But it pissed me off how like the shot compositions and stuff in the movie were very upsetting. Yeah, like, what a piece well. of shit that it was. <laughs> I like how she was like, she knew she was cheating. She knew that that was, yeah, that it was, was an emotional affair. The boundaries of their relationship. And she's just like, can't wait. That's the thing that's weird is like it's she tells so many like every single person she works with, which is like at least three other people that we three people, I guess, that work in the in the bookshop. And nobody's like, don't you think it's a little fucked up? Like you're like living like you're basically living with this guy. You guys have been together a long time. Like, why are you engaging in this emotional affair with a man you met on a chat in a chat room? <laughs> and Maybe well, in like, alternate reality, they know he's actually like an abusive or something like they don't show in the movie i mean i think i think the thing is that everybody thinks he's kind of a douchebag which he kind of is i mean like frank is he's sort of a douchebag like he's just we already talked a little bit about how he's like a vote blue no matter who like liberal type like like a so-called like bleeding heart but no like actual action behind that but like he's also kind of a hypocrite you know like he he buys multiple typewriters and he just he's well, he also then falls for like the TV person later on. Like, like he goes on a TV on interview, and, like they're just like flirting on the on the, anybody yeah. that that compliments him, anybody that like validates him. That's who he like jumps after because as soon as uh, uh, Parker Posey's character like mentions like oh he's the foremost expert on the Rosenbergs, and he's like oh you read it blah 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 blah. And she's like you should write a book, and he's like I I want to. You know it's fucking it's another stupid thing. Yeah, he, uh, his character. So, yeah, I guess I said he's like a not the worst character, but I guess he kind of is a pretty kind of a, a yeah, he's a lib, libby. I, actually, it's funny. You mentioned before he was a social democrat. Literally, I wrote Greg Kinnear is a Luddite social democrat who probably likes the Nordic system. That was my description. <laughs> <Yep>. of him. <laughs> That's him right there. He's like, oh, they don't, uh, it's great over there. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so the, the other part of the, the thing that I have to ask what everyone thought of this is that we finally meet like Tom Hanks's family. So it's like his father and his grandfather and like their office where they're just like laughing about putting out, putting people out of business, yeah. which 
purely just evil pieces just of crap. Just sociopathically. Yeah. Laughing about yeah. it. Just absolutely laughing. Like, this is what we get up and let's make that bread. Let's go do it. And I think the grandfather, one of them says something like, oh, uh, you know, what does he say? He says, oh, we have to keep those Upper West Side liberal nut pseudo intellectual bleeding hearts and he's like literally just describing frank's character yeah. to the team <laughs> and, or uh you know so oh but so i was gonna say is then they took, go into like maybe this is a little later but he goes into the fact that one of them is always dating like a younger person so tom hanks's uncle is like 11 or like six or five it's <laughs> like brother, the most it's like the ha- it's like the Habsburg dynasty like of this fucking fox family yeah. his brother is like four cousins and his aunt shit. is like nine or something like she's she's like they're like little kids yeah he's got like a quirky little oh isn't that cute yeah and the stepmom is like trying to get with him like she <laughs> she's like keeps trying to make out like literally like in front of everybody she's like come and kiss me and like tries to like lay one on him it yeah. was a. Uh, it was on that because uh, that went mainstream in porn. Like how long ago the all the step bullshit. So it was on the pulse of that one. That's like yeah. the only like taboo behavior from the movie that's totally fucking normalized. That like became totally fucking normalized down the line. Yeah. Oh, the other, I wanted to say. So the guy who plays his grandfather, the one who's like, oh, Cecilia Kelly's store. I remember her. She was enchanting. So that actor's name, sorry, I don't know why I became voice. That was um, a great, great actor, impression. Is that de- thank you? That's is that John Randolph? Voice. Yeah, so John Randolph. So he was actually Evan, you might know this actually, because I know you do a lot of research, but he was he was blacklisted in Hollywood in the fifties during the McCarthy era because he was like he was yeah. he was an activist. He was like openly leftist. He marched like um afterwards he like marched with like MLK Jr. Um he also like he rallied for like workers' rights. He was instrumental in like SAG and AFTRA. Um, he he supported like striking um, workers in Kentucky. Like the student was like he he referred to himself as like an old radical, um, and and his wife too. Like they were both on the same on the same page. They both got brought before the American the Un American Activities Committee. I think is what it's called. Um, then, then what the fuck is he doing in such a shit ass <laughs> movie? <laughs> then he's like he's old as fuck. He was just he, had to, he died. That was the last movie he was in. He died in two thousand four. That, that was movie. Was his last movie. This, no, this he did. He, he did Sunset Strip. Okay, but close yeah. near near his end. Was, near yeah. That movie still killed him. I'm gonna. That's lore. That's <laughs> canon now. That movie fucking killed him because holy shit. <laughs> That is actually I, I I did know about him because I had looked into the actor before and uh, about that he I think he also his one of he was also on the show Mash he's been like he's got like a very odd career he was never like a really big star but like he was kind of a bigish like he could have been bigger probably if he wasn't blacklisted he was also but just to be in this movie he was Clark's dad in Christmas Vacation stop it yeah. holy yeah. shit you're right the the degrees of separation oh, are Clark narrowing. Clark yeah, there's there's virtual. That's right. this, is, this is not related to anything, but I wasn't wearing my glasses and I was in the kitchen while the movie was playing. And that scene came on where you see them all in the office and we're introduced to his father and his grandpa, which, by the way, of course, fucking he's a nepotism baby in the movie. But uh, we're introduced to his father. And for a minute straight, I was certain that it was Dr. Phil. <laughs> yes! It, it does look like Dr. Phil. Yes. Yeah. yeah. 
for sure. He does. You talking about like, the the other guy, Nelson Fox, or his dad? I was just like, yeah, Doctor Phil. Why do they have him in there? Bizarro, Doctor Phil, certainly. <laughs> <laughs> Doctor Phil's yeah, right. he was on Boardwalk Empire. Actually, when, I think. when they like break up or whatever, and they go on the sailboats, of course these men are fucking sailboat dickwads. Like, of course they have sailboats. At least of three. Course. Yeah, at least three that we know of. Ugh. A really big sailboat. Yeah. It's really well, nice. one was like a yacht, and yeah. then Tom Hanks's one. The was Fox a two sail- and Fox it was a three. sailboat. Like that's like one that you can like circumnavigate with, and it it's like. I don't know. I dated a sailboat guy who was a huge piece of shit, and now every fucking sailboat guy is right in that category. That's probably why she said she could never date a guy with a boat. Like when she said it in the movie, I was like, I get it. I don't know why I get it, but I feel like that makes sense. It does. Let me tell you firsthand, it makes sense. Unless it's a paddle boat, it's okay. Or like a houseboat. Like you live on the boat. That's cool. There's a piece of uh, trivia surrounding the boats. So the the father's boat is the Fox 2. Tom Hanks's boat, which is the smaller sailboat, is the Fox 3. The Fox 1 was actually a submarine that <laughs> the, their dad hopped on to go see the Titanic and, you know, a bunch of fucking billionaires got coke canned and the world got moderately better for like a month. They 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 use they have to use dial up AOL internet. That's why it yeah. fails. They didn't bring the disc. <laughs> they, had, they had fucking 85 discs and they forgot to bring one. For everyone out there, there used to be thousands of AOL discs that like no one actually needed because you could just like go on your computer and download it, I think. I don't know. Who knows? And they would mail them to you. You get a new one like every month. They just send them in the mail like a free a free trial of America online. I remember. Do y'all remember CD wall art? Because those fucking things were all over the place. So people would just like make like little fucking murals on the wall. Everybody had them because, you know, everybody had five million CDs. You know what I hated the most about like the old technology seeing it on there? I hated that I had the same screensaver as fucking Joe Fox. Like (laughs) the flying through space. I had that same shit. And fuck Joe Fox. The flying toasters. For stealing the good one. Flying toasters, flying through stars, the pipes one. The pipes was the, the one that I had. <laughs> I like the pipes one. I also like the maze one. The maze one was good. There was also one where you could like type in your own text and it would like bounce yeah. around. <laughs> yeah. And I swear waiting until it like would hit the corner at the exact spot, which would like almost never happen. Yeah. Like the DVD yeah, menu. Maybe, a, a sad, a sad, a sad uh, moment of my life <laughs> <laughs> watching a screensaver for that. Okay. Uh, I have but a the- thing that I want to talk about if we could bring it up since like Please. I have been in the trenches of dating. Okay. And like with like dating apps and all this shit, right. That's like half my content on TikTok, whatever. So when she gets stood up, the, she was ghosted and the Delulu, the delusional, like, she's like, something had to have happened. Like, girl, you got ghosted and you like, you don't go chasing them. If you get I had I I was having feelings because I hard relate. Yeah, I'm, I'm super, like she didn't even give it time. Like she went ahead and emailed him about it like that. Yes, I wanted to jump through the screen. Yeah, like also, I when- like I chase them and I'm stupid, but I'm not that stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, in my history of dating, I've never stood anybody up. So that whole so. 
again, like to briefly bring in like what's basically happening, but essentially is slowly we're seeing they don't know each other. It's like an, still anonymous. And then they decide to finally meet. And this is actually after they accidentally had met at her bookstore when Fox came in with like the, that's when they like make the jokes about how he's like his, like this six year old kid is his brother, half brother. And they meet and she, he lies about who he is because he knows that he's a piece of shit and he just has to lie because no one would like him. And he knows he's putting her out of business. And then they decide to meet. And he goes to the restaurant after Dave Chappelle's with him to like get him to go inside. He goes in, sees her, realizes that it's her, and then does the whole, oh, I guess he stood you up. Like that in from that moment forward, this, I just wrote down like black, black, he's like, he's, uh, uh, gaslighting her. He's manipulating her. He's, and he's using the information he now has from their like personal conversations to have the online. And also it seemed like the things that were happening in real life that they would then talk about were too close to not figure it out. I know it's a fucking movie, but it <laughs> she had no autonomy in that relationship whatsoever. And he was just control like, like a puppet master at, at the whole relationship. And then at the end, when she was like, I hope I was hoping it was you. Fuck you. Like, how, how was she not angry at him for like him knowing and like playing, playing her the whole time? The whole thing is so manipulative. And like the fact that he, he thinks what she needs to forgive him for is the store closing. How about like knowing who she is, knowing that she has these feelings for you and then going to the place pretending not to be the person she's supposed to be meeting and making her feel like shit and then allowing her to feel guilty for finally telling him off. Like she, she yeah. like agonizes over that. She feels awful for it telling yeah. him that he's a, he's a suit and he's nothing more. It's like, no, but she's right though. And yeah. he learned it. And he said much worse to her before he, he, yeah. he said belittled her entire existence. Like dude acted like a complete creep. How does that resolve so neatly because you saw his dog and you figured out that it was him? So gross. You could recut good portions of that movie with just ominous tones instead of the score, and it would fit as like a psychological thriller. Yeah. I think point. that someone has actually done that. I love it. I just, <laughs> as I'm watching it, I'm like, wouldn't it be funny though right. if at the end it just cuts to like the actual like nice person that she was talking to the entire time? He's just like tied up in a basement, and Tom Hanks is like. <laughs> what else he did to her he <laughs> he made her go through the experience of like okay i have this friend this man a friend who's a man and then he has to confess his fucking love for her and it was like so frustrating but like i, I don't know many women have had this experience that it's like it turns out you don't have a friend the whole time you have somebody just waiting to fuck you like till yeah. you will be romantic with them he did that to her to her face while he was manipulating her while he knew that she like liked him romantically in a different context and he was like well i i would have asked for your number after months of like friendship he said he wanted to be her friend it's so like so, like every layer that he could be gross he was grosser do you know what was horrifying to me in that movie i don't know this is like a small detail but she was out walking around in new york city right she had her mm-hmm. shoes on she gets into bed with her fucking shoes on <laughs> that she's walking around in new york yeah. city with how did she not have tetanus from that? Mercer, for serious. Oh, but yeah, I mean, I mean, there's lots of stuff that happens as far as like the 
bookstore opening. Like that's kind of like window dressing. Like that's just like the subtext of the whole thing. What you're saying before, uh, Dr. Goon is that, um, you know, the whole subtext is to like get you to be okay with it. Like they're also joke about how they're worried there's going to be like protests to the new bookstore opening. And there actually was like in this neighborhood, a big Barnes and Noble that opened nearby there. And there was outrage. And then like a few months, weeks later, people were like, Oh, I guess I can get cheap books. I guess I won't go to my bookstore. You know, it's, it's like, it just, it just lulls you into just this, uh, capitalist complacency, really. I mean, you just kind of accept it. The part where she goes into the store and she's looking around, she's like, wow, it really is great. That was the part I was like, get the <laughs> fuck out of here, dude. Like, she just lost bit, her livelihood. Do you know what? A little bit. That would be a place that, like, people who are homeless could go to warm up, at yeah. least. Like, they can go, you know? No, nah, they'd get kicked the fuck out immediately. Immediately. I don't, yeah. They have to buy something first. Yeah. Yeah. Starbucks. Yeah, he, says, he says the thing about the uh, the cans of olive oil and the discount books and everything. You can sit there for hours and read and nobody will bother you. No, I've been a 13-year-old hanging out in Barnes & Noble. I know that eventually somebody's going to come up and be like, this isn't a library, you know. And <laughs> and it would be better if it was. Just get rid of the, the big box bookstores and just turn it into a fucking library. I have a, I have a question. Does Meg Ryan play pay her employees a living wage? I'm curious about that too. And also like Cuz they work at this bookstore and seem to have like decent lives in Manhattan except for the one woman who like clearly is like a rich f- friend yeah, of the she mother was, like, who owned the bookstore. Yeah, she was like a secret millionaire. Yeah. Yeah. Like who also could have saved the bookstore if she felt yeah. like it. <laughs> yeah. There was the one uh, lady that worked there. I think that was her second job. And she's like, well, if like oh, if right. it shuts down, then I'm going to lose my apartment. I won't be able to pay rent or whatever. And it just kind of never addresses that again. Like, because the fucking <laughs> well, thing shuts oh, down. Well. well, she can live in bar, in, in bar, I mean, Fox Books, right? Yeah. She can just live on their floor. Well, the one guy, the one guy, uh, George, the Steve Zahn guy, um, he has a rent controlled apartment. He pays, he pays $4.50 a month for six rooms. Yeah. Um, Entertained Damn. a lot of the ladies, which apparently there were some like deleted scenes of him like having a lot of dates and stuff. And, I think uh, there are some funny deleted scenes. Do you know what I wish? So, do you remember how Parker Posey, whatever, she's like, Oh, I take this. Like, she goes, like, How do you sleep at night to Joe Fox? And like, Parker Posey jumps in and she's like, Well, I've been taking this whatever weird shit. And then they show later on a scene where like, um, Joe's like, they talk for a minute and he's like, well, I'm not tired. And she's just like, goes from full conversation to out. Yeah, I want that shit. I want to take that. <laughs> well, also she like plays herself off as being like a very nice person, but she's also like mean to like service worker. Like she's mean to the guy in the, in like the, when they get stuck in the elevator, she's mean to the, like he lives in a building where there's a guy who runs the elevator. Like that must be some nice the shit. The elevator guy, I think he was the most wholesome character. There's a reoccurring theme uh, in this movie where all the service workers are fucking stupid and it's okay that they're treated like shit except mm-hmm. for the elevator guy because that starts like the the Tom Hanks realizes like, oh, wait, this lady – is kind of an asshole, but like two scenes before that, he's an asshole. Well, he's not an asshole. He's like nice. He, he's manipulative towards the the service worker in the one store where Meg Ryan's trying With, to like, buy the shit. Credit or card and the cash yeah. thing. 
They're fucking stupid. Get the fuck out of there. They need, she needed to realize, like, she should have been like, oh, I'm sorry. I'll go wait back in the line. Because the woman who's like, it's a cash only line. That's not up to her. Yeah, no shit. She's just doing what she's supposed to do. And she's going to get in trouble. Now she's got a credit card transaction that she has to go and fucking rectify. And like, it is actually shitty to the server. Like, And the people behind him in line. Like, I was on everyone else's team besides theirs. And he's like, you can't just slide it. He should have just paid for her groceries. What the fuck? That's what I thought. I will also point out. Dickwad being like, use your own credit card. Just do the credit card. So Smirk's earlier point about, like, uh, Steve Zahn mentioning, uh, like, he lives in a rent-controlled apartment. And he says something ridiculous, like it's like six rooms for four fifty a month or whatever. That was another red flag that whoever fucking wrote this movie is uh, an Ayn Rand cuck that does not live in reality. Because that's not how <laughs> rent control works fucking anywhere. Like, that's just another caricature bullshit they threw in there to take a shot at something that they don't fucking like. Yeah. Yeah, I think he does say it's like a six a six uh, and then they, and then they well so forget about that but they also go to um the woman who's like the older woman I can't think of her character's name Birdie. she like Birdie she like she seems to like work at the bookstore like for free presumably because she doesn't seem to probably need a job she's like knew the mother but they mm-hmm. go to her house and I think we glossed over a scene earlier briefly I think you mentioned it Ryan is that they discover that she had had an affair with like someone who was a dictator in Spain who is clearly Franco and like that's just like a – how does that kind of detail end in a movie like this other than – it's I, I don't get it. It's like it's actually kind of funny to me. It's just so random. Like they were just like, well, let's just add this in here. The writer <laughs> loved Franco, Franco <laughs> like, because they were a fucking fascist. That's what I took from that. <laughs> yeah, I mean the, the – like there's other bits to this and like we talked about before is that when they – each of them both like independently break up. And then they're like sad, but not really sad because they didn't actually like their partners at all, you know. And so Tom Hanks is like, oh, I guess I can be a, a media – not a media, like a bookstore conglomerate, put people out of business. But I guess I can be nice to a few of them. And this woman's pretty and I like her. Maybe I can just steal her bookstore and then her heart or something. Mm-hmm. Like that's yeah. like that's what you're supposed to feel like. Oh, he reformed, but he still is taking over her livelihood. And, yeah. and but she also knows how much he makes. It took the 90s trope, like, of storytelling with the fucking elevator scene for him to figure out his shit. Yeah, the elevator scene is, like, a classic. And then you have the – I like the other woman in the elevator with them with, like, her little dog. You know, like, this Just little, like, Talk to dog. my mom. <laughs> I wonder what she's doing right now. Before they before they get stuck in the elevator, I do like when Parker Posey is like, it's, I think it's amazing how you've just forgotten that you're the one who ruined this woman's life. Yeah. He does conveniently forget that. <laughs> and he knows a lot about her. Like, there's a point where he drops that he knows how much money her bookstore makes because he's obviously done. Well, he didn't do any research. Someone else did research. And he gave him like a PowerPoint slide deck and he could look all fancy. But yeah, he's like, she made $350,000. I don't know what her rent is, but... That seems to be a decent living. I don't know. Yeah, that's why I was. I was also curious what she's paying the people that are working there. And I mean, maybe it's to her credit that she didn't like fire any of them before letting the place close to try and make up the difference that way. But it is surprising that she would still have like at least two people on the books, like getting paid while the store was failing. Um, Oh, the other thing, the woman who is um, uh, an author that would do like readings there and stuff. And then and she's a scam. Yeah, she's like, 
She's like, oh, I'm so worried. Are you surviving? She's like, yeah, we're okay. It's like, oh, well, whatever you need. Protests, picket lines. You just, you just tell me. And then we never see her again until she's the woman, Birdie, whose name is actually, I forget the last name they give her, but it's, it's a, it's a play on a name from somebody from the play, uh, Bye Bye Birdie. But, um, she sees a placard in the window at the Fox and Sons bookstore and says she's going to be doing a signing there, which is, it's, it's, yeah, that's like a good example of like the, yeah, the people who are like, oh, whatever you need. It was like a scabby ass shit. Yeah. That was like, create a picket line and then she's yeah. like actually second thought let's just cut that picket line yeah and that's the thing that annoys me about frank too is like yes he writes the article for her and helps her drum up some support but why does she have to ask him to do that that's his whole yeah. wheelhouse right like mm-hmm. multiple people had said to her beforehand including this author woman who sucks this is exactly the kind of thing that he would be interested in this is the kind of thing he writes about why wouldn't he just go ahead and do that for her that should have been why she broke up with him because he wouldn't do that for her yeah he only did it yeah, once she, it, was, has no, it was she has no self-worth or ability to advocate for herself in any kind of way in relationships i think that's well established in this movie and if he was a real radical i mean his solution obviously would have been a molotov right like <laughs> oh yeah well we can fix this problem right now it's like right over there no they don't do that in nordic socialism do you yeah. know what the heroes the heroes actually were the dudes pissing off the roof those yeah. were the ones who did the most you know action yeah yeah that's direct <laughs> piss is direct action if you're watching this <laughs> piss directly into the vents piss and balloons i'm not gonna tell you who to throw it at but it rhymes with fucking pigs okay <laughs> Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean the, the end, like we already kind of like talked about basically what happens. We know it's going to happen. Like the, the, the store closes. She's sad. She goes to the bookstore, like see it. And then she realized, like we realized like, oh, she actually is better than these. These little stores are really good because she actually knows the name of the author. Unlike some random dude working at the bookstore. And, and that you're well, like, do you know what? Three, four years later, they can just type it into the computer and search like, you know, it, true. Disaster. That wouldn't have lasted forever. Yeah, her like being obsolete. And like they don't ever really I guess they I guess the the other part of the bit that I found to be extremely annoying is when they start to become friends, Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan. This is after like they're like, oh, we're friends now. And they like go to like they go to like the hot dog rest, like they're eating hot dogs, they go to the the little fair and all this shit. And it's like this guy is the guy putting you out of business. Why are you friends with him? Why are you doing this? What the fuck? And he's like, you you won't forgive me for that. And like, she obviously did. Like, if she's like talking yeah. to him in any capacity. Yeah, they're hanging out all this time, running into each other, which she says like, oh, I keep bumping into you. Has he been stalking her? Yes. Yeah. Because there's no way she's putting like all of the information about her daily comings and goings in the emails to this NY152 person. He has to be actively stalking her. Right. And and the fact that he has time to do all this while she's out of work just shows that the CEO's Dave Chappelle. Dave Chappelle's doing it for him. He's doing somebody for he's got a private eye stalking. Yeah, he's got Pinkertons all over. But he's but he's showing up. 
he's showing up to all these places while she's unemployed and just wandering around the city going to farmer's markets and stuff. I mean, we saw this guy's boat. I mean, he has resources. I mean, he has an internet connection in his boat. I mean, I don't know what that cost. But in, in, like, in 1998, it must have been expensive. Yeah. I mean, that couldn't have been a cheap thing. And he's probably, you know, he's tapping her phone. You know, he's like going in her apartment and checking her like little tape on her voicemail to like see what's there. Deleting Do you know messages. what bothered me? Was, could I definitely was using computers in 1998 when he was like deleting he's like hitting it like like henpecking delete why didn't you just fucking hold delete we all know that that's how you delete a whole goddamn paragraph and he's because he's a psychopath like that's why this shit bothers me but it really bothered me a lot wait isn't there a point in the movie i don't remember when this happens i think this is when he breaks up she breaks up with greg kinnear's character Someone says, like, shouldn't we bomb Fox Books? But I don't remember who what? says it. Someone says. It's someone in the picket line. Oh, And it's like yeah. offhand. It's like, we should bomb them. Oh, right. Like, That's you right. can't say that shit now. Yeah, that was pre-9-11, even though the. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they gave the money to the to the Afghan, Afghanistan uh, to her, to Osama Bin Laden. Were any of you, like, triggered back to middle school when you heard the fucking like the connect to the internet sound, like the dial-up modem. Because I... Weird little bit of nostalgia for it. I was like, who... I I don't know, I had a hard time when I was in middle school and immediate panic attack. Well, I didn't... I, I don't... I don't know a normal person, and I use that term loosely, but I don't I don't know a person I would like that enjoyed middle school. Yeah. But I enjoyed the internet then. I like, oh god, what was it? Like Postopia? Or the the, the website from the serial with all the games and stuff? Neopets? What if we what if we had to like now use our like AOL screen names for something? Like like it's like our like what like gets you into a club or something. Like you have to like show your AOL screen name. They still have those records, you know they do. Was it Time Warner now? Mine was so bad. I don't think I can share it, but like I know we all had to have something fucked up, you know. I know I know like Mr. Goon down there had something like Barbie Crush Five. No, it was uh <laughs> so I, I remember mine specifically because I was in a lot of uh chat based role playing games. Um, and uh it was i was like 12 at the time and i made a character <laughs> named damien and his last name was Natase, which was satan backwards it was so fucking edgelord nice i used to do i i did i did role like chat like text-based role-playing on the neopets message boards um and spent an inordinate amount of time in chat rooms on the because there was like an AOL, aol kids version oh that you yeah could sign into and they yeah. had chat rooms and stuff Definitely. i remember I love, oh. I love how a good chunk of, this, uh, of the audience here won't know what asl means <laughs> <laughs> yeah for us it does not mean as hell <laughs> yes it's a slash s slash l yeah, yeah, yeah for anyone out yeah. there well, the, I remember before my parents would even like let me get get AOL. I don't know. I was probably like eleven. I don't know something like that. I went to a friend's house, and his parents would like let him do whatever he wants. He was like, "Oh, check this out! I've got AOL. It's brand new." We like went on his like dad's computer, and he was literally pretending to be like a forty year old man in a chat room to like talk to people. I'm like, 
this is this is this is great for the world right here. This is going to cause you know some real shit. And then clearly, <laughs> he probably I guarantee he did this all the time. One of the things that I did that's a barometer for like I, sometimes I'll be like, okay, I'm doing all right. Is when I was a kid, I was like 11 or 12, and I'd get into an internet argument. I would lie about being a millionaire. And I've seen grown ass <laughs> men do that on the fucking internet. And I'm like, okay, you're anytime I feel like I'm man, I'm down on myself. I'm like, all right, at least I'm not a grown ass man pretending <laughs> to be a millionaire on the internet to win arguments. While the boots eight, eight inches deep in their throat. Yeah, exactly that. <laughs> Being like Elon Musk is my favorite. Boy. Elon Musk <laughs> helped me make my first fucking million. I'm on a yacht because of him. <laughs> Because of what's his Dogecoin or some shit? Yeah. I don't even, yeah. Can you like use those on his platform now? Maybe? I don't even know. So, you know, what's funny about Dogecoin is that it has never done well, like at all. Maybe like when it first started to be a thing. But <laughs> I think I was, I think it was like maybe two years ago. I bought like $10 of it just because I was anticipating a class action. And there is one. <laughs> oh fuck! Perfect. So it's yeah. worth 0. 0.07 cents right now. Did you up. just look it right up? Now. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. To the it's literally just like the arrow is just like pointing down the whole time. To the moon. Anymore close to the moon. <laughs> well, didn't well? That's what Elon Musk did. He like bought a bunch of it that went on the internet and like manipulated its price to make money yeah, off. Of the it. FTC yes. is investigating him right now because of it because he's pumped and dumped it like twice. Yeah. Oh, there's gonna be there's gonna be a couple class actions and fines and stuff. It's gonna be great. And he's gonna not give a fuck. No, but it'll be entertaining. Well, meanwhile, yeah. Twitter has lost like seventy percent of its value since he's purchased it. He's a real smart guy. Yeah. But yeah, so is Tom Hanks is Tom Hanks is like kind of like Elon Musk, except like not quite as successful. I mean, he basically got his money from his dad. He built the company. He didn't really do anything. He doesn't ever do anything in this movie. There's nothing he does that's no. businessy. He's always off the fucking mark, too. Like, Dave Chappelle's like, you weren't even fucking listening to me when I was talking to you. And he's like, yeah, you're right. Too distracted by <laughs> gaslighting this lady on the internet. Yeah. <laughs> Who, and he's like, probably, he doesn't, does he cheer, does he, it doesn't say cheer him on, but does Dave Chappelle's character, like, well, I guess he's the first one who discovers that it's Meg, like, that he knows who the person is, and doesn't advise him to, like, not do that. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, because as his only friend, he could have been like, don't do this. So I think a parts of this, like this story is on some level, I think, supposed to kind of like parallel Pride and Prejudice a little bit. And that's why they bring it up a bunch because it's a similar sort of like, will they, won't they? They hate each other. But there's also like weird, unaccounted for and unrealistic sexual tension. But like nobody, neither of them have anybody in their corner who's like, are you okay? Like, have you thought about this? Because this is like clearly very unhealthy and ill-advised. And he could have done that. I mean, at least he was—he he was honest when he said he's. You're not going to like her because it's Kathleen Kelly, and he said she was a bitch or whatever. But like, yeah, just there's no like the language, no the- voice of the audience in this movie, which is annoying. That it's just like libertarian liberal cross section of nonsense, right? Yeah. Like that's what that's the perspective of everyone in this movie. And I guess you could say that Fox is probably a conservative. I mean, you know, but he probably thinks like, oh, anyone could make a Fox company. Anyone can do it. I can do it. At one point, um, Frank calls uh, calls him the inventor of the superstore, which is just so funny because it's like he didn't even he didn't even start that company. He's like third generation into it, which again, Elon Musk. <laughs> like, 
not a mending ship. You're just I wonder, I wonder what, like, what, like, fucking terrible thing. So, like, you know, Elon Musk cam- comes from, like, the emerald mines or whatever. What fucking terrible place did jo- Joe Fox come from? Was it, was it part of the apartheid? Was, was it oil money? Like, what? Chattel slavery. Know? Yeah, child slavery for sure. It's Tom Hanks. <laughs> well, I said, I meant, I meant chattel. Because they don't give oh, a fuck. Yeah. <laughs> One of them. He, yeah, he did some slavery shit. Uh, yeah, QAnon's like real big on Tom Hanks being like deeply involved in the yeah. the, the P3DO rings. Oh, wait, we're not on TikTok. On but list, yeah. though, right? Is he on any of the lists? No, no, he's yeah. not. He just was vocal about being anti-Trump. So you get labeled a pedophile if you're anti-Trump in that world. Yeah. I mean, he does look pretty good. How old, how old is Tom Hanks? 65? Yeah. Oh, the Adrenochrome? 67. Ooh, we hit adrenochrome. We got that on our bingo, bingo. card. Nice. <laughs> but I mean, Tom Hanks is like, I mean, you look at his career and I was thinking about this. He got paid $20 million for this movie. And I'm thinking like, okay, that's a lot for 1998. But he had been in so many movies to this point that we're all like, the same year that this movie came out was also Saving Private Ryan, which made like half a yeah. billion dollars. He was in Castaway he- two years after that too. Yeah, and he was in yeah. Toy Story and Apollo thirteen and Forrest oh, Gump yeah, before Toy this. Story. Oh my gosh! Yeah, because Toy Story was the one seven. Philadelphia, like he's he's like his his uh, Frank and movie. Mile. Yeah, Toy whether, Story two, Green Mile. Whether or not he piss, he don't miss. <laughs> well, he's in this yeah. movie. He's a CEO, so he can pay people to piss for him. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> he could just have people piss and then drink. He it pays the fine for them pissing. He yeah. could just sit there and piss his pants, and then they just come over and lift him up and change his pants for him. Yeah, yeah. That's, his, he definitely. His grandfather that. probably has like diapers and pisses himself because he was pretty <laughs> old. Dude is a nine-year-old child. Which by the scene, and this is a thing I've seen in so many movies that I'm like, does this happen? Where everybody's watching the kid sing loudly next to like piano accompaniment. It's only a thing in movies with like rich people and like the expensively dressed children, and they're singing, and everybody's sitting there pretending to enjoy it. Who does that? Yeah. Like, why is that a thing? They were doing it simultaneously, which was also weird. It's just one yeah. of them had a kid doing it, and then the other one was like, which, like, yeah, I guess it would make sense that, like, the rich assholes had a kid doing it specifically because they're probably going to eat it later. But, like, <laughs> she's thinking the song from Annie, too, which is, like, yeah. ironic as fuck. Cause yeah, that was some kind of, <laughs> it's definitely some kind of Illuminati ritual. If you're, while, while, if while you're, the mother-in-law, like future mother-in-law, is like yeah, giving like the guy like friend. a handy underneath, uh, yeah. like in front of everyone. But then she ends up yeah. with the nanny, which is you know all right. That was the other joke that was funny. Is like they just being like, "Oh, you slept with my nanny, and then my second nanny, and my third nanny, and like how many fucking nannies <laughs> does this guy have?" <laughs> Be cool if you raised him, dude. You yeah, destroyed the, the fabric of my childhood. She left him for the nanny. That yeah. was that. I was like. That's pretty. That, I don't know. That was a good part. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Yeah, that's when they're on their boat, like eating steaks and like drinking like scotch and smoking cigars. Like they're drinking martinis. Just some rich people. Oh, martinis, right. Yeah. Rich people shit. It is funny that like the only parts where, because um, this is uh, talking about what Liv was just pointing out, is that the only parts where like somebody has any shred of human decency point to how shittily written the movie is because like the stepmother's portrayed as like a gold digger type the whole time so why would she bounce with the fucking nanny if she didn't collect on the money yet you know what i mean like i thought it was funny 
I thought it was funny how like the dad pulls up in his limousine and he's like opening the trunk or whatever and Joe comes up to him, he's like, What happened? And the dad's like, I don't know and like kinda shrugs like okay. like they don't it's totally like not unspoken about like, well yeah, no, it's done. Yeah. Also, why was he this is a continuity thing for me, but it just doesn't make any sense. Why was he moving out? She left with the nanny. They're not married. (laughs) (laughs) Where was she? Yeah, you know this guy this guy's got multiple houses, boats, and all kinds of shit. Like why is he he should have like been up in the Hamptons, like not living on a boat. And then they have the tiniest little rope holding the two of them together as if and with no like uh what are the the shits that the fender Buoy shits that go on the side that they would like bonk together. Yes, <laughs> boat yeah. owners are watching this right now, just laughing at us. They don't know <laughs> anything about boats. No, no, they stopped listening a while ago. We were like, "Fuck boat people." <laughs> I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't want to make any assumptions, but I don't think there's too many boat owners who who listen to this. Boat people, <laughs> yeah. Boat people are also deeply masochistic, so they're masturbating by now. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh, this is this is something that I forgot about. <laughs> I have to say this too. Is I like the thing about like Tom Hanks quoting The Godfather. You know how like yeah. there's like multiple times with The Godfather. So fun fact that I think this is why it's in the movie. Tom Hanks apparently is like one of the on the on like the Coppola restoration Godfather DVD. Mm-hmm. Apparently that Tom Hanks and Rob Reiner are like the most well versed godfather aficionados where they have parties where they play drinking games to quote lines from the godfather so i'm sure he had asked them to like throw this in but i feel like it's such like a dude bro thing he probably had like the godfather poster in his room in like what 1972 or whenever the hell that came out i will say 72 road to perdition does a lot of uh homage to the godfather and it's a good movie like it's like one of the only mob movies that tom hanks has done and it was it was a fucking slap not gonna lie yeah i'm pretty sure he pisses in it too i don't remember (laughs) isn't that like isn't paul newman in that movie like stanley tucci is a good one i haven't seen that in a long time i don't remember it's been years i'd have to watch it again i think that's the only time he's in a movie like that usually he's like plays he rarely plays so is this would you consider like this a role where he's like the villain? Like to us, he's the villain, yeah, 100%, right? Hundred percent, yeah. But do you think most people watching this movie being like he was oh, not this presented is a sweet as movie. such? Yeah. If you're still, yeah, he was not presented. Like if you haven't done the like internal work to realize like abuse and power dynamics in a relationship, you would be like, oh, isn't that cute that they end up together? And like you have all that internalized patriarchy shit, and not like really seeing what is actually happening and how like what a total piece of shit he really is maybe so this this is looked at as an iconic rom-com like this is still fucking talked about and it's i would say 90 percent because of the fucking aol callback like if it didn't hit that nostalgia button then no fucking way anybody would ever remember this piece of shit also, one thing, like it, it being an iconic rom-com, but also Meg Ryan's haircut. We got to talk about how that's an iconic haircut. Yeah. That, I like, it It went on for years. People still getting that stupid fucking haircut. Yeah. I, I, it's definitely, now it's like, the women I see with that haircut are women that would have been, like, around her age when the movie came out. 
It's yeah. still, it has staying power, if nothing else. And not just because of the copious amounts of Aquanet that I'm sure they, they sprayed into her. Because that shit does not move. No. Yeah. But that that haircut became almost as classic as a fuck-ass bob. So, like, it's like a fuck-ass <laughs> Meg Ryan haircut. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> Mom. <laughs> yeah. yeah the... like a... she, she and we also need to like, talk about her eyebrows. We need to talk about her eyebrows real quick, though, because the way that they have them tweezed so far apart, that has fucked up so many women's eyebrows of a certain age, (laughs) our age, that like that's they're getting like microblading and shit because that doesn't grow in anymore. Yeah, they so, certainly like, I'm, Yeah, I'm hating on her eyebrows. I'm hating on her haircut. <laughs> Just shit. So all much over about my this brain. movie, I hate. Which is like, it's important to say, like, do your your face, your hair, however you like it, but your eyebrows ideally should start yeah. like, right at the tear duct, you know, like there or like a little in further, however you the want them to look. Outside of your fine. nostril to the yeah, inside like, of somewhere, your like, somewhere eye in the Yeah. Yeah. It's just, I don't know what they did. I love but they, this. She fucked up a lot of women's eyebrows for life, and that is a lasting thing that shouldn't. I'm upset for a lot. Of and they people. end so. Now I'm looking at the picture of her too, because they end so early. Also, it's like not even at the end of her eye. It's like right here. Yeah, they're so yeah, bad. <laughs> Stop laughing at us. I'm not, I'm, <laughs> it's funny because like. We cleared, like, we, we established that it's a capitalistic horror story, and then now we got to talk about Meg Ryan's fucking hair and eyebrows, too. <laughs> now that, like, we've stomped out the capitalistic bullshit ideas that, like, they tried to shove down our throats, we need to talk about the eyebrows. But I, have to add, I have to add one non-eyebrow comment. This is also something that I saw. I'm going to pull the audience. How much do you think Tom Hanks's laptop he was using cost at the time? Oh, shit. Oh, I don't. It's an IBM ThinkPad seven seventy. Seven to eight thousand dollars. Okay. Anyone else? I'd say three to four. This is outside of my wheelhouse entirely. I don't even know. How, I wouldn't have gotten how this, much I don't things think. cost now. Seven grand. So you Jesus. got this work out. And Meg Ryan's computer was fifty seven hundred dollars. Which and nice. they live pretty close to each other too, and that doesn't necessarily mean anything for New York real estate. But like, how much is her apartment? Like, he lives in a doorman building. Like hers, I don't know if she owns it or what, if it was her mom's place too. Like, she's clearly doing okay. Like, I don't know how Yeah, much- and then she like closes the store and she's just going bopping along for a couple months. Like, eh. She got savings. She was able to sell it. I think they owned that space because her mother left it to her. Mm. Right. So a storefront in the Upper West Side in like a prime area, she, pr- I mean, I imagine she was a couple hundred thousand. That. Yeah, like she was probably. She could have turned that store into just like a toy store. I was looking like, at it and I was like, so the place that they filmed it in apparently was a cheese shop. They took everything out, sent the owners on vacation for a couple weeks, moved everything out, and then like put everything in and then put it all back before they came back. But that place, yeah, definitely hundreds of thousands of dollars. Who ate all the cheese? I wish I could, but I don't know. They could. I was looking at. it, I was like, that looks like now it would be like a crystal shop. Like people would sell crystals in there. She could have turned it into some other kind of business. Yeah. Yeah, it could have been like a. I don't like know, just sell kids' toys, like the like a novelty kids store, like you know the touristy, like buy those Melissa and Doug fucking stupid toys that kids don't even like. 
Yes, and all the like tourist places have those. It's like that's not specific to this area. Why are you selling them here in the touristy shop? But they're fucking everywhere. She could have turned it into a pizza parlor, and then somebody who thought that Tom Hanks eats babies could have brought an <laughs> AR in there. Oh, nice. <laughs> that's Comet Pizza right there. Bam, <laughs> son. Check them off. They could have. Uh... Could have opened a local coffee shop that could compete with the Starbucks. That's true, no, but then there would have been like a sequel where like oh, yeah. Starbucks like Starbucks beats would have her just up. killed her. Yeah, like they would have just sent somebody to fucking <laughs> They'd have just put her in a bag and threw her Throw in the Hudson River and just be yeah. gone. This isn't this isn't endorsed by the podcast, but by me personally. Starbucks will kill you if you start a coffee shop. They will send somebody <laughs> to kill you. The Starbucks death squads, yeah. No, that's Everybody should know that. If you don't, look it up. They'll the also sell Gestapo. slave coffee and lie about Evan's, selling slave Evan's coffee. Evan's eyes are like jolting <laughs> around nervously. Marcus <laughs> Papacino, yes. This is why we don't record this podcast live anymore. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> it's that way. Oh, uh, yeah. There's some times where I've said some things I probably better to be able to edit them. Uh, I don't know. I don't. I don't have anything left to make up fun of Tom Hanks for, except at the end when they like get together. What does he do for her? Does he like publish her books at his bookstore? Does he just like? What's this like? Their relationship doesn't make any sense at the end. So, what's- oh, to be his wife. That's the happy ending. She gets to be his. Yeah, that's and she can write children's books, or she doesn't. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. That's, you know, that's what they want you to think is the right off in the sunset. Okay. Everything's good. Because she found Fox love. Publishing. She yeah. found she found heteronormative love with the man. So that's the happy ending. Now her life has meaning. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, ideally, the sequel is Tom Hanks's bookstores all go under border style. Because of uh, like Amazon or something, and then well, that's the thing. Everyone thought that like when when like Barnes and Noble started expanding, everyone's like, "Oh no, they're going to destroy everything." And then now they're like all out of business. Mm-hmm. Borders just got killed. Yeah, all, all of them. Like Barnes and Noble, I don't even know how they exist anymore. Honestly, I don't well, know. There's how still a surprising them. amount of them. I think because they got ahead of the whole like ebook thing, because they have the Nook. I think that yeah. helped them. Yeah, but there's there's a lot fewer of theirs of those than there used to be. So. But yeah. the thing is, it's not even satisfying because, I mean, Fox and Sons books closing. He probably has money and, like, properties and shit. You know, like, he'd be fine. He's got a diverse profile or yeah. uh, His golden parachute fuck. would be more than anything we'll ever see combined in our lifetimes. Yeah, yeah. that boat was, like, what? Got to be worth, like, $150,000 just the Easy. Boat. Yeah, oh, that's, that was that. a fancy-ass yeah. yeah. boat. Yeah. Yeah. Another fun boat thing or an joke is that when he goes to her bookstore and he wants to buy, he's looking at like the first edition of Swiss Family Robinson, which is a castaway story. Mm-hmm. Two years later, he's in Castaway. Mm-hmm. And he's like balking at the price and he balks at the price of like the kid's book. He's like $70. Damn. You're fucking million. Like you got so much money. Why is he complaining about money? That's like, and they, they have that line between him and Steve's on where he's like, why does it cost so much? And Steve Zahn takes it from him. He's like, because it's worth that much. And it's like, fucking, it's like, what What do you, make up your fucking mind, movie. Yeah. <laughs> like, that, that's a pointless scene. Like, yeah. what's the point? Like, him just being like a cheap ass? Is that like what yeah. it's supposed to be? 
make him look like maybe it was like to make him seem more down to earth like in there like put the yeah. goggles on of like the libertarian whatever like but it does the opposite oh, oh it does to no, us, like to we're us. all looking yeah. at it like he's an abusive to humans person, but <laughs> at the time, like, to them it's perceived as oh he's down to earth he's not like you know like this millionaire who like doesn't understand what the value of money is anymore. And like, like what does the banana cost? $10? I don't know. Right. You know, yeah. but, but he's like down to earth, you know, that he's like, Oh damn, $70. Jeez. Or like, uh, like this collectible book. Like, I don't know. He should have paid for her groceries still. <laughs> like, I don't think this guy, he's, he owns a books company kind of like his dad does. I don't think he's ever actually read a book. Like yeah, he, he won't read Pride and Prejudice. Things. Yeah. Which isn't easy. Like it's not I I mean, it's not a tough read. Like it is entertaining. Like it's it's a it's a good book. Like there's a reason maybe, it's so ubiquitous. Maybe he reads like manipulative ass shit like um like How the to power influence of people negotiation and, or yeah. whatever. <laughs> he he reads business <laughs> books, he reads like what color is your whatever golden parachute? The- <laughs> 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 Cigar aficionados. <laughs> There is that that bit where he's like, I don't think anybody in our stores even read books. And it's like, have you been to a fucking Barnes and Noble and like talk to any of those people? Those motherfuckers have read like more books than like I will in my entire fucking life about anything. Like I've never gotten shitty advice about books from somebody in a fucking Barnes and Noble. More shitting on service people think. That's how you know a fucking rich asshole wrote the movie. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe that's, yeah, so they're just like, let's make them seem down to earth. What do people who don't have money do? Oh, they are surprised at a price. Yeah. (laughs) What do the poor? But in like the first half of the movie, there's lots of scenes where like he's overtly like very like richy. When he goes to that party where they both are, he like scoops all the caviar. You know what? From that like was the a thing. power move. And like I, you know, maybe <laughs> if I was at that party, be like, you know what? Yo, what the fuck? Boom. You but know? he knows what caviar tastes like. She probably doesn't. So he's yeah. like being like, "Fuck you! I'm going to take all the caviar." Well, she knew oh, it was again, a garnish. Because she has like enough money for yeah, like, she's pretty rich. I mean, yeah. she's not she's not poor, and she's there. Like it was, it didn't seem like that was out of the normal like realm of her life to go to like but a fancy party like that. It seemed like Greg Kinnear was the one invited, though, right? Yeah, probably. probably. Yeah, that's true. I just realized that this fucking movie was like the love story between a millionaire and a billionaire, and that just made me even more fucking <laughs> sick. <sighs> <laughs> That's a wrap, folks. That's a wrap. (laughs) Oh, but before we finish up, there's something I want to say. So, like, independent bookstores, like independent coffee shops, are always about a billion times better than getting stuff on Amazon or going to, like, a big box bookstore. There are a lot of resources online to help you find independent bookstores and also to directly support them. So if you go to um, IndieBound.org, that's a website that helps you to find independent bookstores in your area and um thank you smirk make this all worthy of something and and, uh, and bookshop.org is also another one where you can search for a specific store and order from them online or you can search for the book order the book and then the profits from that sale go into a profit sharing program for over 1600 independent booksellers that all benefit from the proceeds Oh yeah, That's, I love knowing smart people like you. Thank, like I, <laughs> lovely. I, those are bookshop.org is great. I've used that, but the other one that I would plug is Better World Books. 
They're not owned by a corporation. You can buy used books there and they donate books to people who act, you know, to need them. They can't afford them like schools. And I think they've raised, they, they give books to libraries when they can't use them anymore, things like that. So yeah. all these places, yeah, you can buy better books than fucking Amazon. And support your local library. And anytime there's an election, and I don't give a shit if you vote red, blue, or, or purple to turn a popular phrase, um, but like, just vote for funding for your library <laughs> because they need it. And they are third spaces. They provide knowledge and safety and so many programs that you probably didn't even know about. One of uh, one of our local libraries has like a spice of the month thing where you can get like a different like spice packet all the time and they give you recipes to go with it. They have a maker space where you can use like a 3D printer and learn how to use it there. Um, all kinds of cool shit. So support local independent booksellers and your libraries. And if you have a library card, most can use canopy.com, which is like a free streaming service through your library. Yeah. And so you Libby, can watch good movies. Which is great. Libby, and I Libby. guess. Maybe we led with all of this. Maybe we should have led yeah. with all of this. And it needs to go. Can yeah. we put some links in the show notes for this? And I say that we as if I have anything to do with it. I can also it, move but. this. The internet or the uh, the editing power yeah. can move it. Somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but Libby, Libby and Overdrive are great because you can, you can put in your, uh, library card information and you can borrow books i read like over 100 books last year books mostly fiction and all of them with like one or two exceptions i got on my ebook with my library card and it's fantastic yeah i use yeah. libby all the time as well yeah. i uh doubled down on that one and then you can also support your local coffee shop starbucks tastes like shit anyway yeah Fuck starbucks. and they support fucking you know genocide so fuck yeah. Them. yeah and then fuck the stanley cup get a contigo or whatever i don't know who they support but that's what i have so that's what i yeah. <laughs> i saw something today where they starbucks is now really pushing you to bring your own cup and i think it's now so people don't like feel bad when they walk around with the starbucks cup <laughs> so people be like you fucking prick you have a starbucks cup <laughs> it's like like you start feeling people like with starbucks the same way like you see people with chick-fil-a shit like fuck you yeah yeah and and meanwhile, there's no ethical consumption under capitalism anyway. No, but if you if you can avoid, you try. No, you go. Yeah, for it. you do the thing. Outside of extreme food desert situations, all of those are fucking active choices. Yeah. So. And local coffee shops are so cool. The one here, and this area is like very much disenfranchised. Um, they have like a bulletin board up, and they have like information about like mutual aid and like. Um, letter writing campaigns through Palestine, asking for ceasefires and stuff. They have a little like box outside with coffee and sandwiches that you can just go grab, you know, like a free like community fridge and stuff. Local coffee shops are great. Yeah. And they, they'll even have like little games to play and yeah. like, you know. Yeah. There's actually another library fact that I didn't know about this, but a lot of libraries will let you rent for free, like a room in the library. Mm. And then you can just like host people to do whatever you want to have. Just yeah. be like, oh, this is you about know, whatever. And I heard a story about like, um, what's that guy who was in like um, Full House or whatever. And like now he's like a raging Christian, like um, evan evangelical, like raging oh. Christian about like, and he went to have, like he like wrote a children's book that's like mega indoctrinating, like Christian. And so he tried to do a book Kurt tour Cameron. and like on it what he was like uh saying like 
he was going to do one there. And the library was like, yeah, but we can't support the amount of people that you're having come in. You should do this somewhere else. Or it was like outside of their hours or something like that. Or he didn't fill out a paperwork or something. And then he used it as a, oh, the library is canceling me. And I have to like, and he used it as a way to um, further his Christian um being a pr- uh, an oppressed Christian white man. Yeah. Wait, is it the one who played DJ Tanner? Is that the one? Yes. Uh, no. Uh, no, yeah. No, that's uh, <sighs> no? so Laura. Laura from Full House is the one that went full Christian. I think you're thinking oh. of Kirk Cameron. He wasn't on Kirk Full House. Cameron. That's he exactly. was on. Uh, uh, I forget what he was on, but yeah, he's is a he's shit. The boss, or no, that's a different one. No, that's uh, Tony Danza. Uh, oh, yeah, you're right. He's just super MAGA. Uh, Kirk, what the fuck was Kirk Cameron in? I don't. Who cares? Fuck him. Yeah. No, oh, but growing pains. Like, but yeah, so there you the go. library is wonderful, and they were like, "Yeah, you can't do that here." And he like made a cruise that he was being like it was a cruise crusade, and the library like he like brought a whole like protest there, and they're like, "Yo, we're just trying to do library shit." It's just like the the self victimization is off the charts because they will literally create situations in which they don't follow the very like clear and concise and obvious standards for like how you get to do shit and you, they do it wrong in multiple ways and they're like you're fucking you're persecuting me like no bitch you just need to learn you read the fucking directions it's See, not hard. Kirk Cameron and his wife created a online marriage course that I'm sure is great called Heart of Family: Six Weeks to Happier Home and Healthier Family. Oh, that would do be not really do not spam podcast, their actually. comments on their website, everyone. Yeah. I have vomit taste in my mouth from that. Is there a way to pirate that and just like get all the information <laughs> and just like read it and, and snark on it? Because I I could devote. Oh, it seems like it's gone. Know. It's a, it's it's defunct. Uh. Uh, it only lasted for a few months. It's oh, a shame. No, I wonder do, why that could do like a under. spin-off podcast where we just dunk on that shit and like I how much fucking positive <laughs> it is. That'd be so much oh. fun. A spin-off podcast where we all pretend to be like in Christian marriages and give the worst <laughs> fucking dating advice on the planet till it goes under. Oh, I hate how much that would be very easy for me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I suspect it'd be easy to like convince people too, probably. You just have to talk nonstop bullshit. It's not me. Yeah, there's not. Just not pretend you're like the preacher guy in that movie Saved, right? <laughs> I don't know. Call back to a previous cool episode. Skip. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to reiterate how disgusting it was that she went to bed with her shoes on. That was great. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, everyone, that was uh, Capitalist Bullshit 101. Nor Efron. Abusive Relationship 101. Yeah. There's no such thing as it's not personal, it's business. Because that's bullshit. Because it, it has to do with your life. And that's just a thing that people say to make them feel better about just being pieces of shit. You can't compartmentalize yes. people's existence like that. That's nonsense. Poor Tom Hanks' character went home on his third of like 16 boats, so fuck him. But yeah. Uh, Lefty Libby, Smirk, Dr. Goon, thank you all for uh, for sticking it out on this wonderful, wonderful film. Thank you so much. Thank you. Always a pleasure. But yeah, you can. Uh, I'll we'll we'll get some resources in the uh, in the notes for all those great bookshops, other things you can support, local libraries, and uh, wherever you're listening to this podcast, you can just hit the old subscribe button and uh, follow and rate 
do all those things and we'll catch you next time. <laughs>